0: This is the Saxo Market Call, daily insights on what is moving the financial markets.
1: Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Friday, 28th of October, 2022. We have yet another session where uh, there was a rally attempt, I think in part this uh, this, sort of attempt to celebrate that central banks might be pivoting, ECB the latest to surprise with guidance, And we see where rates marked down quite a bit longer yields also coming down quite aggressively. But by the end of the day, not a stellar session by any means at all. And then after the close, another mega cap uh, just really taken behind the shed as I put it in the title on slide two. In this case, Amazon, uh, there were other bits of good news intercession, but uh, sort of something on the on the scale of Amazon reporting poorly after hours and being marked down some I believe it was 13% uh, was not good for sentiment. And so here we are struggling again. Coming into today, uh, Peter, with this uh, uh, below the 3,800 area. So we're kind of back into risking uh, a down cycle here towards the lows, I would say, as long as we're staying below 3,800 because we've seen this whole episode and attempt to rally through that really key thirty-eight to 3,900 zone in the S&P and, and we're just not making it. So I, I don't know what's going to turn the sentiment here. What's, what's your assessment?
2: <laughs> well, I think your your headline is, is also suggesting an interesting fact is that the U.S. 10-year yield and the forward pricing on uh, on policy rates changed uh, quite a bit uh, recently, and and that narrative that we are maybe peaking out in terms of uh, of tightening at least maybe as a temporary pause. That you know the thinking from uh, from Bridgewater that you know now we pause and we see that we will eventually uh, because the economy is still very strong normally that we'll go into a new tightening cycle. But that's for next year's discussions. But the narrative is, it has been that uh, on the on the on the momentum. But then now interest rates have come come down, so bonds are rallying. But the equities are down, so here very short term, very few sample points, of course, but as you indicate there's a negative correlation right now among equities and bonds, and so that's quite interesting. Um, I've also put in here on slide two just a refresher on what happened so the uh, on earnings so the recent earnings release that we've got in have now pushed uh, all earnings uh, sorry earnings globally. Into a negative territory quarter on quarter. So now Europe is also joining. As I showed yesterday, Europe were still in positive quarter on quarter territory, but now we we are firmly down. I think I think we should get uh, all into the conversation as well. I can I will I will pick up the pieces on the on the uh, on the Amazon bit a little bit later in the podcast.
0: Well, thank you for that, Peter. Um, I think we'll, uh, not a good segue, but uh, let me just uh, move over to uh, to the gas market in Europe because uh, I think uh, if you uh, turned on your screen this morning and uh, suddenly you saw gas price was trading $140, 140 euros and we were trading close to 100 early in the week, it's uh, simply the fact that the, the November contract, which has been under pressure due to the mild weather we've seen across Europe, um, has, is, is about to expire today. So uh, it, is, it is expiring just above 100, but uh, that means we move to the December December, and that's really, as we've been highlighting, the the uh, the later months are still trading uh, relatively elevated. So we are we are roughly 30 euros above uh, now in in the in the front month contract, but. Again, if this mild winter weather, uh, autumn winter weather continues, then we could potentially see this contract slowly drift uh, down towards uh, 100 again, just like we saw, we saw in the November contract. So that's the the reason for that uh, discrepancy we're seeing in the price action today.
1: Yeah. And then in the soft market, you've highlighted this previously. It looks like that downside there and uh, especially coffee and cotton continuing. Is is this all weather uh, once again or the, or there, is it, the recession indicator you've called it, uh, cotton is, is still, I guess, a, a theme.
0: Well, I think the coffee is, is uh, somewhat weather-related because there's been a, a, an improvement in the outlook for uh, coffee production for the coming season uh, in Brazil, and that's uh, eroded some of the bullish sentiment that we've had in the market for for many months now. And the, the technical break we saw earlier this week, uh, or last week actually, uh, below that 194 level, um, has just triggered this uh, avalanche of additional uh, long liquidation for money managers. In the, the small inserts, I'm just showing the, the net long, the blue, the red line and you can see it's getting close to neutral once again after having been uh quite elevated for for some time but uh, simply the 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 fundamentals which has been supported for a while has simply not been strong enough at this point to to uh to support the price simply because we are worried about the the global economic slowdown and that's also the what's been filtering through to to cotton which is now uh, down more than 50 uh since the high earlier this year um the the slowdown in china with the lockdowns clearly not helping but at the same time we I think we as a global consumer with faced with higher prices we are cutting back on our spending uh, what do we cut back on first well I, I for sure can can stick it with my my t shirts and my shirts for a month longer or longer than that and that's basically reducing sales and you can see that also in the MSCI world textile apparel and luxury goods index uh, kind of provided by Peter that we uh, with that the that the latest uh, drop in, in cotton is also a reflection of the the weakness we're seeing across that uh, Across that sector
1: all right now let's uh, look back at um uh, the forex market because we had a very interesting day yesterday and especially overnight i would say so the ecb out uh, and surprising uh, quite uh, quite considerably on the dovish side in terms of the guidance so providing that big 75 basis point hike clearly reluctant to pre-commit to another one of that size the market the decelerating expectations for the following hikes they took out a reference to uh, multiple rate hikes in, in the statement and we saw basically 2023 rate hike expectations uh, dropped were, were reduced by 20 basis points and obviously this hit the euro and uh, with the euro trading around parity that was quite a sentiment hit uh, to euro dollar below parity i would argue though to get a proper reversal we need to start working through the 99 the figure down to 9875 breaking through that area would really start to suggest that this whole episode is has been a red herring and then we're back at least into the lower range if not reconfirming the downtrend and then I think almost as interesting and thematically very, very interesting overnight. We have a Bank of Japan meeting, really no surprise there. And as I mentioned, with with yield pressure coming off the rest of the world, uh, maybe the bank and the yen having come up, the Bank of Japan under a less sort of immediate pressure to do anything about shifting its policy. It did not do that at all. And at the same time, you have the uh, Japanese government out announcing a massive fiscal stimulus. Uh, So basically, you're going to tell me that we're going to have a massive fiscal stimulus. It's going to be monetized by the Bank of Japan. Uh, and the irony being that this uh, stimulus is is aimed toward, uh, you know, offsetting the price rises and the pressures on the on the private sector and to boost wages. This is all highly inflationary, but yields are not allowed to compensate. So what's going to take the hit? As long as the rest of the world is not lurching into a deflation and central banks aren't outright beginning to ease. This is very, very negative. And I think it's very remarkable that we've traded well below 4 percent on the U.S. 10 year treasury yield, for example, uh, overnight and you have dollar yen actually rallying this morning. Can you imagine what happens if we continue to see resilient U.S. data and those longer yields in the U.S. uh, rise again? uh, And we we see an FOMC that's, now we have the market really leaning hard for this FOMC to see a significant downshift. I think the downshift is only in terms of that the current sort of projections toward 5% are okay. They're not exactly going to start talking about rate cuts we know that the fed is committed to continuing to tighten policy even as the labor market starts to deteriorate which has not uh, yet and that would take some time to, to get in the bag before that process can be carried out so i, I just think uh why can't dalian continue to, to rip higher here uh if unless we get something just disastrous on the economic front which we're not anticipating at all uh the us gdp by the way it was reported strong But I think a a little bit of that deceptive, especially because a considerable portion of the beat was on a very large uh, surprise on the GDP deflator or GDP price index. I think it's now called. Uh, I think it was a one and a half percent seasonally adjusted lower. uh, That's an annualized rate. uh, Lower than expected. So that uh, that helped out and flattered that number uh, a bit. And so you see on slide three, your dollar, that parity area and that reversal yesterday. Watching also sterling and cable around that 115 level, so sterling versus the dollar as another important one. We see uh, Sunak and Hunt, uh, so Prime Minister Sunak and Hunt looking to cut 50 billion of spending. That is a nasty bit of austerity There it is going to crater the UK economy. It will mean that the Bank of England will be very reluctant to continue to hike You know, beyond uh, just sort of keeping uh, stability in sterling, I would argue. Uh, so uh, it'll be an interesting cocktail there. I think it's quite negative for sterling and We've seen a tremendous relief rally there. Um, and now, before I get back to you, Peter, on equities, I want to go over to you, Oland. You recorded a uh, podcast with the heavily listened to Macro Voices uh, on slide six. You can see the little blurb there, but you can go to www.macrovoices.com to listen to that. I assume you had a great conversation with uh, with Eric Townsend over there.
0: I did indeed. Uh, time flew. Um, there was a slide deck uh, which accompanied the, uh, the 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 talk, which you can uh, which you can download uh, by uh, by logging onto the site. So that will give you some ideas about our our current views. And uh, basically, one of the one of the themes be, uh, being the one that we talked about for a while that uh, commodities can actually go up even if we enter a recession, because it's not all about demand; it's also about supply, and that is that uh, continues to be uh, be uh, be tight uh, across uh, several key markets. Uh, right now, mostly, obviously, in the energy space, but uh, any any pickup in in activity in China and, and the transformation will, will likely also attra- attract some attention back towards the the metal space. So, um, yeah, have a listen if you uh, would like to know a bit more about what's, what we think about commodities at this point in time.
1: All right, Peter. Um, so take us through the earnings batch yesterday. We had the big Amazon markdown with uh, 13% after hours. What was the deal there? Was it more the outlook or was it also the results? And uh, and then of course we had Apple and there were some actually some a couple of positive names and mixed among the, the uh, reports yesterday, including Caterpillar.
2: Yeah, so you know, Caterpillar and McDonald's um, good earnings uh, overall. I mean Caterpillar is still seeing is seeing strong growth. It resonates with this very strong nominal economy that we're seeing uh, globally. Um, the earnings season, the earnings as I showed on the first uh, slide on slide two, by the way, in the slide they still down globally across all uh, geographies, but. I mean, you could argue at this point, maybe the earnings season a little bit less worse than, than what potentially could be, uh, you know, you could have expected. But we're we still, you know, only halfway through. So there's a, a lot to catch up and there's a long tail of uh, of earnings still to, to, to come. If we look at the slide seven, uh, which is the stocks to watch today, uh, a little bit of commentary here. If you start with Apple, I think it's it's pretty safe to say now it's, it, it's basically just a fortress. Um, they make the best, products and services that i think is pretty clear now from the consumer behavior their pricing power they have all these subscriptions they just raise prices it's very immune i think to to or mostly immune to inflation their revenue was up eight uh, percent year over year very strong there um and i think you know once again i mean i think it's 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 interesting as i said to john before we went on the podcast i mean if you look at all the technology companies that you could invest in uh Charlie Munger and and uh, and Warren Buffett they um, they bet on, on Apple and a lot of people were you know, laughing a little bit oh they're too late to the game but they have actually made a substantial amount of profit from this bet and I think now that the tide is going out and we can see who's really naked and then you know we talked about meta the other day definitely one of the technology companies that is not having as strong a mode as you would expect or at least they're just overspending. Amazon uh we'll talk about that in a few seconds but so they chose uh apple and i think really it we now see that it is probably the company with the strongest mode of all companies uh right now and if we look at at amazon revenue was up 15 percent year a year so it's not that they're not growing faster than uh than um than the inflation but a lot of that growth is still coming from coming from the cloud business the international part of the business was uh, a little bit weaker than the uh than the us uh, us part there was a miss on the uh on the cloud Business versus estimates, and I think that was partly, but not all of it. But it was partly uh, what the uh, partly one of the results for why they were missing on operating income. They missed on operating income relative to the street estimates, and there. Was, so there is a rising input cost, and that was the miss on the cloud. They are slowing down on their cloud growth, and sort of was what, what we have seen from Google and uh, and and Microsoft lately. So, and then if we zoom in on the outlook. That is probably where investors really got scared. So their revenue outlook was way below, actually, uh, where analysts are. And, and if you look at the operating income, they're guiding zero to four percent. I'm sorry, uh, zero to four billion dollars of operating income. And the market is somewhere closer to five billion. So very big miss there. And and, and you can also see um I have this uh, wonderful chart here. I think it's probably the most fantastic chart you can ever see. right? So it's uh, in the in, uh, slide deck on the, on the earnings presentation they they have this they always has this on, on free cash flow and you can see how the twelve month trailing cash flow has gone from around you know plus uh plus nine billion to recently uh minus um as you can see quite a lot right so the change I think overall has been massive because they've over invested in the uh during the pandemic and they have this wonderful quote where they say they are here to optimize free cash flow and then um, that's certainly that optimization you certainly not going very well these
1: days. <laughs> I also think I saw the uh, Q4, so the holiday quarter estimates for nominal sales, something like 2 to 8%, which is just sort of barely keeping track with inflation, if at all. So that's a, that would be a, a big deceleration. Yes, so right growth. now. They- but of course, you have to compare it with the very difficult comparison, which was all that that pandemic spending exactly, and retail yeah. uh, spending on physical goods last year. Regardless, it's a big story and a, a massive markdown after the close. Now, on slide eight, you can go to the... Um, uh, the Earnings coming up, and of course, got a lot of names today. It looks like a, a very heavy energy focus today, Peter. And then, uh, uh, next week, uh, that's a big long list there. But anything you want to pull out for uh, maybe early next
2: week? Yeah, just quickly on today's earnings. I mean, ExxonMobil and, and Chevron are the two ones to watch today. Uh, Next Era Energy is this company that is trying to transition itself to be uh, much more focused on renewable energies, uh, uh, you know, nuclear power, etc. A uh, key bellwether for the renewable energy sector in the US. So, um, and with the recent climate and tax bill in the US, with all these incentives to do this transition, uh, I'm curious to see whether they will raise their outlook. And then, of course, as soon as we have the Mobil and Chevron uh, earnings and on Monday, I will update my, my CapEx uh, chart on the global energy and mining. We have to discuss that because if you think about it, a company like Equino, they already reported here in, in European trading and they, they're not following up on, on, on CapEx. It's just simply not there despite the prices and everything we've talked about. So I think that's an interesting development. And there is a long list of, uh, of earnings for next week. I think we, we can talk about it next week. I think if we just talk about Monday, maybe. I think the uh, the NXP semiconductors I think is the most interesting to watch given their uh, dominance in the global car industry.
1: Okay, let's have a look at the macro calendar Uh, today. The key thing to pull out there is the September PCE inflation uh, data point. Don't have the expectations in front of me, but I would look for a hotter than expected number on the month-on-month core as the bigger risk of catching this market offside, given this narrative and drumbeat of expectations around a deceleration of the FOMC's. hawkishness uh, next week. Uh, We also have the final University of Michigan sentiment survey up later. And then next week, a lot of central bank action uh, followed by uh, the key U.S. October uh, employment and average hourly earnings data. Uh, Don't need to run through all this, but the RBA looking for another 25 basis point hike. uh, Despite this last uh, CPI surprise, they do have monthly meetings there so they can uh, sort of go at that slower rate because of that. FOMC, again expected to go 75 and then the market uh, strongly leaning at this point at least for a deceleration is that already fully priced in i would argue we're certainly getting there if we're not already there in terms of pricing what the fed the degree to which the fed is going to sort of indicate that beyond november perhaps this 75 basis point per meeting rate is uh, is is in question um and then uh, Notice Bank, uh, they're uh, I believe expected to height 25 basis points. Sounds about right. They've been very slow and cautious and, and had, were one of the very first to suggest that they might be getting towards peak rates. Uh, quite odd there. Uh, and then the bank of England, this uh, latest scale of sterling strength, I think, and, uh, and the austerity coming from uh, the plans, uh, the budget plans cooking up uh, Sunak and hunt are cooking up has them at 75 basis points, but that's actually slipping. Now the market's only priced at 65. So that's, it would be interesting to see if uh, by the time we get there, they're only priced for 50. But uh, let's uh, watch that and watch 115 in cable, for example, uh, as we uh, as we head into those uh, key meetings next week. So busy week ahead, also on the macro front. And uh, yeah, uh, we're under pressure again in terms of risk sentiment. And that despite these lower yields, I think it's a very interesting cocktail we haven't been used to in quite some time. Let's see how things uh, sort themselves out. Have a great weekend when you get there. And we'll be back on Monday with the Saxo Market Call.
0: Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email marketcall at saxobank.com.